Hello, welcome to this week's edition of SBC This Week, a roundup of news and views from around the Southern Baptist Convention. SBC This Week is hosted by Amy Whitfield and Jonathan Howe. Hey, Jonathan, how's it going? I'm feeling rested, actually. This is the, the first time, I think, in our post-SBC annual meeting episodes that I've actually felt alive and rested. And I think it's because we're recording on Friday. That's right. I would say I feel more rested than I have in the past, but I still feel like I got run over by a train. So, Well, yeah, I mean, still that, but I don't feel nearly as bad as I did this time yesterday because I was, I was wiped. I was, a me- I-, I was a mess yesterday and my feet were killing me. And so I, uh, and they're still, they're still a little sore, but man, yesterday it was, it was rough. And usually that's when we do it is we do it on Thursday. We're in the same city, uh, and we will, we'll grab a spot sometimes in the lobby or or nearby and record. And we're like zombies. So I would say today I'm still pretty beat, but not, not like usual. Yeah. This was a good change of direction for us to wait a day and not be dead tired. That's right. So there you go. All right. But hey, before we jump into this week's episode, because we got a lot to cover, Amy, it's a big week here in Nashville. We'll talk about that in just a minute. We want to thank our sponsors who we saw many of this past week, our friends from Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary, where you can get the theological training and the hands-on experience you need to thrive in ministry. Wherever and however God is calling you to serve the church and fulfill the Great Commission, Southwestern offers a degree path to equip you. Whether you're pursuing a bachelor, master's, or doctoral degree, Southwestern Seminary is here to walk alongside you as you live your calling. You can find out more at swbts.edu. So a big week for them, announcing the the Texas Baptist College news, showing that out to everybody at the SBC annual meeting. But Amy, what a week it was. It, it was really incredible. So much happened. So many things that I didn't even get to see or or participate in but heard amazing things about. And I think I can say that most people came into the week not just not really knowing what what was coming. You know, we all kind of, yeah. we, we knew we had a huge crowd coming. We didn't really know uh, who, who, who all they were. I mean, we knew on, we knew on our end that, and, and this would be no surprise to anyone that our largest crowds were going to be coming from Tennessee, Georgia, Florida, like it, you know, kind of the, the surrounding areas. The usual suspects. Yes. Right. The usual suspects. And so we knew sort of where they were coming from, but we really didn't know what they cared about the most. It's always, it's always a good reminder when you get in there and you hear the motions that people will bring motions about issues that aren't being talked about on social media necessarily. Obviously a lot are, but things that we haven't thought about. And so you don't know what's in the hearts of the messengers who are coming. Yes, absolutely. So you you mentioned that record crowd, Amy, 15,726 registered messengers for the week, including guests and exhibitors and everybody working. Over 21,000 people descended upon the Music City Center this week. Crazy. Can you, and let me just tell you. So first of all, it was wild that if you had told me four months ago, that like in February, that we would be having a regular convention that is the largest since 1995 with no masks, getting to go up to each other and hug people that we hadn't seen in a long time. I wouldn't have believed it. So it's incredible that we could have that. But the change that happened because of the COVID restrictions, 
Jonathan, we wouldn't have been able to fit in the Gaylord. No, we wouldn't have. So I mean, it's it's wild how things worked out. The Lord really uh, saw favor on the Southern Baptist Convention annual meeting this year because yeah, I mean, there so many things had to happen for this to be able to happen, and, and it they all did, and it, it all worked out great. Uh, the The hall looked great. I mean, we had room. I had people, you know, standing room only all day on Tuesday. And and to their credit, I had never heard one Southern Baptist complain about the large crowds or, you know, having some of them I saw sitting on the floor right near us uh, up front there. I mean, it, it was a wild, wild scene in Hall C&D over at the Music City Center. I, I never seen anything like it, and we may not anytime soon, but I mean, that was just just incredible. No, but but you know me. I'm going to be pushing for it. Let's yes. We we broke 15 once. I don't care. Let's all go to California. Let's do it again. Yeah, there's no reason we can't have 10 to 15 next year in California. Let's go. That's uh, right. It'll it'll yeah. fit us over, out there in Anaheim. So just an incredible incredible time. So hey, a little different on the uh, the format of the show this week. We always do this a little differently the week after the convention. We're going to talk about uh, three main areas. We got some audio clips here to squeeze in here as well. We got some big stories that we're going to talk about. Uh, the big rocks of the week. You know the things that that everybody's going home talking about. We got some missed stories. Some stories that you may have missed or may have uh, kind of overlooked or just may even not even heard about. So and then we're going to talk about some of our favorite parts of the week and some of the messengers favorite parts put out a couple of questions out on twitter and facebook and got a lot of messenger feedback so we're going to talk about that at the end as well so we start amy with the big story of the week ed Litton is our new sbc president that's right so as many of us had anticipated we did have a runoff we had four candidates and so we thought there would probably be a runoff i think a lot of people were surprised at who made the runoff, uh, not even so much the people that made the runoff, but I think many people anticipated that Albert Moeller would make the runoff. And it was just sort of questionable as to who the other candidate, you know, would be. And so when it was Ed Litton and Mike Stone, that was, I think, a big, it was a big surprise to everyone. So then they, we, we do the runoff and then they come back. I got to tell you, when the second resolutions report was happening. I was on the stage uh, as the the staff support, the EC staff support for that group just to help them. Um, I don't know if any, I, I, I'm learning. I did not realize I was on camera, but I think everyone did realize I was staff support for them because I had to help keep them in order. Uh, there was a moment where one of the members of the committee came up at the wrong time. And so I did a little stage managing there. Did yeah. not realize Bart Barber. I was. Well, we're not going to let this go by without calling him out by name. Yeah. Bart Barber is, is a preacher, not an accountant. He's not very good with the numbers. I had, I'm so. not going to say, I'm not going to say that Bart's amazing. He does, he does a great job, but I did not realize I was caught on camera until I started getting texts. And so, so anyway, I think everyone realized I was up there doing a little stage managing, but as I was sitting there, I saw Don Currents return to the platform. And I thought, you know, if anybody sees that Don is in the room, they are ready for this report to be over because they know he's got something to tell us. And uh and I and I knew sort of the the anticipation was building and then he came up after that resolutions report yeah. and announced so that that Ed Litton had won. Real quick on that. So I'm sitting my seat was right behind Don's for the week. Right. So I'm sitting right behind Don and he comes back and he starts tearing out a ballot like he does whenever he takes a ballot up there to show you how to vote. 
Right. And I didn't realize he was tearing out the ballot for the next election. I thought oh, for just one you- second. Oops, we did it again. We were back in and 2016, we, yeah. I thought for a minute, and I didn't see the results in, until he got up there and actually announced right. it. Actually, when he left the ballot at his desk, when he went up there to announce it, I was like, okay, we have a winner. Because for the yeah. split second, I thought, he's tearing out a ballot, and he's going to talk. He's going to go up there, and we have to do this again. And, I, and I you thought, know, oh, no. Here's the thing, and, and folks will find this interesting. The way that it works, like when Don Currents comes back, he doesn't go down the row and tell us all what's going no. on. Like he comes and sits down and we find out with everyone else. So it's funny because when these things are happening and, and it was like this, I remember in 2018 when it was uh, J.D. Greer and Ken Hemphill, I was getting texts from people like, what's going on? Do you know anything? And I, nope, I know what you know. That's it. And so we we're sitting at the stage. Of course, I was up on the stage, so I couldn't. But even if I had been on the platform below and saw Don come, he doesn't tell any of us. So we nope. just sit there along with the rest of the crowd and wait. So as that report, that resolutions report was finishing, I started getting more and more like I could feel the anticipation building. And then he walked up and and uh, Ed Litton was the new SBC president. So... So kind of crazy that it was about a 47, 52, uh, you know, obvious yeah. l- l- round up or, or down a little bit. But that was the the margin. And then we moved straight into to first vice president, which yep. Lee Brand from mm-hmm. the Memphis area, Lee Brand won that election. Yes. So Lee Brand is our new first vice president, Ramon Medina, in the, the dying hours of the convention was officially named second vice president. I was like, that election kept getting pushed back and pushed back and pushed back. And right. we never got to that one. Like the results literally came in the last 15 minutes of the convention right, to a point where, here's the crazy thing, Amy, to a point where he wasn't even there anymore. He had to get to the airport. And I was the one who was able to text him and tell him, hey, congratulations, you won. That's Because I was trying to find him. I was trying yeah. to locate both of the runoffs. So he and Javier Chavez were in the runoff, and I was trying to locate them for a possible picture with the officers because they do the picture, and then they come out and announce the officers. Right. So I'm trying to find him and Javier, and Javier's like, I'm in the hall. I'm sitting over here, and I'm like, okay, good. Got you squared away. And I text Ramon, and I'm not getting an answer back. And I finally get a hold of Ramon, and Ramon's saying, man, I'm on the way to the airport. I got a flight in 15 minutes. I gotta, I'm like, I'm hustling just to make my flight. And I'm like, well, I'll, I'll have your answer for you in about three minutes if you want or not, so I'll, I'll let you know. Yeah. <laughs> so. I was able to text him and say, you know, congratulations. So you're the new second vice president of the Southern Baptist Convention. Enjoy your flight and we'll talk to you soon. <laughs> Basically. There you go. So um so that was wild. And then Don Currents, we mentioned him reelected or elected once again as the registration secretary, and John Yates will serve his twenty fourth term as recording secretary. Yes. And so and and speaking of Don Currents, you know, that he ran unopposed, so that was by acclamation. But even in those I told him he only won by one vote. It was a close one. Oh, aren't you funny? Yeah. That's I bet he thought that was funny. He did. He appreciates Um, my humor. Yes. So that makes one. uh, Yeah, I'm glad I'm I'm glad to hear that. That's encouraging for you to to get that appreciation. (laughs) Um now even when you just have one candidate, there still is a nomination speech because process wise, a person has to be officially nominated. So we actually should, we talked earlier about audio clips and I hadn't thought about this, but the speech that Kathy Litton gave to nominate Don was very, very poignant. Like it, it, it talked a little bit about, 
when they ran against each other in 2019 and then sort of how Don handled that and what a professional and what just a Christian gentleman he was in that. So I'm going to say right here on the fly, even though we hadn't talked about that before, I think you should drop the clip of that speech right here. And here you go. So following that very narrow victory, Don and I met backstage to discuss his transition. Understandably, he was disappointed, yet he couldn't have been more gracious as he extended a generous spirit to me. What followed was Don sharing his expertise, giving me access to his records, and he even offered to serve as my assistant in the following year. He also encouraged his team, a talented group of people that serves its convention well, he encouraged them to help me. One thing I saw, he wanted Southern Baptists to be served with excellence and fairness. And every step of the way, he wanted high, high standards. The day that I informed Don that I was stepping down from this role because of my husband's nomination for presidency, I kept telling Ed and my friends, I wish I could nominate Don in 2021 for the registration secretary role, which I recognized was really, really awkward and unconventional. Little did I know that just a few weeks later, Don would ask me to nominate him. And I said to Don, I said, don't you think the messengers will think this is really weird? And Don said, no, Kathy, I think we will show them what cooperation looks like. And so here I am. All right, so there's the clip from Kathy Litton talking about Don Kearns. One other thing about Don, he he probably logs the most steps out of anybody because he's going back and forth to the teller's room. Oh, that's he right. Texted me, he texted me yesterday and said, made it home. It's amazing. 64 miles, 169,000 steps or something like that in the Good last seven night. days. That's, that's incredible. I look, and then I looked up mine, and it wasn't even close. Well, so, now I feel bad I mean, for it, saying my feet were hurting yesterday. Yeah. Well, Don Don wore tennis shoes all week. That was the cool. He, he knows what he's doing. You oh, know, we're he, all in yeah. dress shoes and everything. And Don's like, forget that. I'm wearing tennis shoes. I've got to walk right. 64 miles this week. So he knows yeah. what's up. He's in shape. It was awesome, though. So congratulations to all of our officers. And we'll probably be hearing more from Ed Litton soon. We'll try to get him on the podcast, talk about his vision for the Southern Baptist Convention as the new president of the Southern Baptist Convention. A couple of other big stories, Amy, related to recommendations coming from the SBC Executive Committee. One was the recommended rewrite of the business and financial plan, which was defeated by messengers. That's right. So there was uh, that that was brought. This was from a motion in Birmingham in 2019 by Dr. Morris Chapman to re- rewrite, update, in a sense, the business and financial plan. And there had been a lot of work that had been put into that, but the messengers, uh, there was a fair amount of debate on the floor and the messengers just were not for it. So that we, so what that means is we're just back under the old business and financial plan now. So it doesn't, it was, yeah, it was, you know, some people might be wondering, well, what does this mean? It wasn't tabled. It wasn't like sent back for further review. It was just voted down, and so that just means the old one is is what stands right now. So, so until, that's where we are on that. Yeah, till further notice. Another motion so. that was made from the floor this week was uh, something kind of alluded to last week after we talked about the executive committee securing guidepost solutions to assist and aid and run an independent review of how the executive committee has handled 
reports of allegations of sexual abuse. Now, Grant Gaines and Ronnie Parent made a motion this week. Grant Gaines actually made that motion uh, for the incoming president to appoint a task force to oversee this. And that was scheduled for business on Wednesday afternoon and passed overwhelmingly from the messengers. It did indeed. And it was it was initially going to be ref- referred, yeah. but then that was appealed from the floor on uh, and not from the maker of the motion, not from Grant Gaines, yeah. but but yeah. from someone else. So it was appealed and the messengers, they wanted to talk about it and they wanted to pass it. So that was a major thing. Also, the ministry statements. That was kind yes. of an interesting an interesting turn of events. Yes. So what happened there, the LifeWay ministry assignment change was brought from the executive committee, the recommendation from the LifeWay trustees, and a messenger spoke against it. And instead of amending it, he, he basically just spoke against the whole thing. And the messengers, vote, or the messengers voted to decline the ministry assignment change. So because of that, that meant the NAM ministry assignment change, which would have been a takeover, or, or which would have meant that NAM would have had the collegiate assignment. Well, since it wasn't leaving LifeWay, that recommendation became moot. And That's right. Did not even come to the floor. That's right. So what happened was the messenger who spoke against the ministry assignment really had an issue with one particular part, and that messenger has a couple of choices, and and these are completely within the rules. They can come just trying to amend that part to put it back in. It was supposed to be taken out, ha- having to do with resourcing homeschooling. Homeschooling, yeah, right. Um, but instead. The messenger came just, he, he wanted to speak against the entire thing and he persuaded the room and they voted down the whole thing. Well, another component of that was that, as you just said, Lifeway was going to basically put down the collegiate ministry. So it was going to come out of their assignment and then it was going to go to NAM. But since this other issue had led to the entire change for LifeWay just being rejected. That means LifeWay's ministry assignment for now stays the same. And NAM couldn't make that addition anymore because you can't have two entities with the same assignment. So yes. it's a l- little bit of a, a a puzzle there that we were, were working with, but it just changed. So then that NAM recommendation off the table. And like we mentioned with the business and financial plan, it's not like those go away now. They just stay where they are. That's right. You know, we kind of stick with the status quo on both the business and financial plan as well as the ministry assignments for both Lifeway and the North American Mission Board. All right. So also in the recommendations, now those ministry assignments stay the same. The executive committee did pass theirs with a slight amendment uh, to it. So that recommendation about the change in the executive committee ministry assignment did pass. And also passing from the executive committee was Vision 2025. Yes, and it it changed. There was an amendment to it to add one more initiative. And uh, Jonathan, what was that? What was that initiative? Maybe you can read that out. It was related to uh, the amendment was to prayerfully endeavor before God to eliminate all instances of sex abuse and racial discrimination among our churches. That's right. So in a sense... We had just passed the constitutional amendments about that uh, for the second year. Oh yeah, we should mention that we, we totally missed that one. That's right. kind of a big well, deal. Well, and that and and that was a major thing to happen. That that is part of Article Three uh, that relates to cooperating churches. We were doing that for the second time, 
And those that those two that really stressed the importance of those issues in our cooperation. And so this addition to Vision 2025, so we already had the five initiatives that that were being placed before the messengers related to more missionaries on the field, more churches being planted, um, turning around decline in baptism and baptisms among teenagers and then calling out the called, which is sort of connected to increasing all of those uh, missionaries and church planters and then increasing cooperative program to be able to support this. So those were already out there. So a couple of changes. One was the added initiative that you mentioned. And then two, that age group to focus on for turning around the decline in baptisms was lowered just a little bit. Like it's, it's really like under 18. Well, it was expanded. Yeah, yeah, it was expanded. Instead of 12 to 17, yeah. it's now everybody under 18. Right. The the minimum age or the starting age was lowered. I'll say it that way. So pretty much everything under 18. So. Yeah. So yep. that was exciting to see that. You can find out more about Vision 2025 over at spc.net slash Vision 2025. We'll have some resources for churches coming very soon. Now that those have been changed, got to tweak some things and, and create some resources on all six of the strategic initiatives for Vision 2025. Another big part of the annual meeting is always the resolutions. Amy, I know you were like up to your eyeballs in resolution information this week because you were the staff liaison to the resolutions committee and you did a lot of work, I know. And James Merritt led with a plum. He, he really did. So it was, it was a great experience to get to connect with them, to be a part of their work. Essentially what we do as the staff liaison uh, is it was me and then Hillary Krantz, who is incredible, couldn't do any, did, could not do anything without her. And, uh, she's, she's part of our team. She handled all the things like just the logistics, helping the, the members of the committee to, to get, to get to Nashville, what they needed to do, getting meeting room secured supplies, all of, all of those things, as well as processing credentials. And getting things ready for the bulletin to have with, with Allison Young. So all of that. And then we were just there if they needed something, especially, you know, things that had to do with the process, uh, just to help them to navigate that. So, uh, but as an, as a, a result, I got to really get to know them, be around them. And they are just an incredible bunch of people. And they did, they brought out, uh, they, they brought out 10 resolutions, got through nine of them, uh, just in interest of time, you know, and when, when the clock is running out, you sort of have a decision, over how to move forward. And they, they just decided to let one, they just didn't get to it, but they got nine resolutions before the messengers resolution number two, uh, which was one, I think a lot of people were, were looking for waiting for it. And it was on the sufficiency of scripture for race and racial reconciliation. And what they did, you can see in the, the disposition report, and we should put the bulletin, we should include the bulletin for, uh, in the show notes for those who may not have been able to see it. Yeah. They got a number of resolutions submitted to them on this topic, uh, which is no surprise after the, after the discussion in 2019. And so they really pulled concepts and pulled things from a lot a lot of these and the, that resolution is what they came out with. So there was some, there was some debate on it. There was a, an amendment offered. There was some kind of back and forth and there were some people that wanted it to be a little bit different. They expressed that on the floor, but in the end, the, the resolution passed very, it, it was, ve- it was a clear pass. It wasn't, wasn't close. Yes. Yeah. So that was good. Also, um, 
There was a resolution, resolution number three, which was on taxpayer complicity in abortion and the Hyde Amendment. That, uh, that passed overwhelmingly, but that really brought a, a great moment. And, uh, so there was an amendment that a messenger brought. And then there was a response from Dana McCain, who was a member of the resolutions committee. And man, it was, it was a pretty incredible response that, that she made. So we're, we've got that audio clip right here. I've spent a great portion of my life sitting in small rooms counseling women in a Christian pregnancy center in my hometown of Dothan, Alabama. It's called Wiregrass Hope Group. Before I entered into that task, I would have been very tempted to adopt language more in line with what you just proposed. And so I I sympathize with the, the position that you hold. However, what the Lord has shown me sitting in those rooms across from broken women is that so many of them have been victimized by the sin of others, by generational sin, by parents who never took them to church and preached the gospel to them the way mine did to me. And yes, abortion is sin. And one of the things we impart to those women when we love them, care for them, and minister to them is the gospel of Jesus Christ, is the truth about the sin of abortion, and we do call them to repentance. But I am also telling you that when we take a punitive and hard-hearted position toward women who are at a crossroads that usually a whole lot of people's sin brought them to, we are not having the mind of Christ toward those women. Yes, and Dana Hall McCain was uh, one of the highlights, I thought, of the Resolutions Committee this week. Uh, she's somebody I met for the first time this week. I think maybe even you had never met before until you spent you know, three days in a windowless room with her. Yes, she's awesome. Yes, she is. So our, our entire Resolutions Committee this year were, were just stellar. And, and all uh, nine of the resolutions that they brought out uh, and, and put forth to Southern Baptists were strong. And uh, we'll, we'll talk about another one of those here in just a minute. But uh, also, I did want to mention that the messengers did bring out a 10th resolution and pass it on Wednesday afternoon uh, related to abortion. So there were 10 total resolutions passed, nine from the committee, one brought out from the messengers. All right. So those are our big stories. And, and like Amy said, we'll link to the daily bulletin that has all that information. And we'll have the updated resolutions on the Southern Baptist Convention website next week as well. So let's move on, Amy, to maybe some of the missed stories this week. And, and we had a, a very diverse attendance and a list of events. I mean, we had a first time event for Asian American gathering. We had a, an overwhelming attendance at both the NAF event as well as the Hispanic uh, leadership dinner on Sunday night. So, I mean, just increasing diversity is something that we, we continue to see, not just uh, uh, ethnically, but we had more women events this year and, and heard a lot of great things about those. Yeah, and I didn't get to go to all of them because of all the things that we had going on, which was hard for me. I hated it. I wanted to visit every single one of them. Even the Women's Leadership Network event, I got to do sort of an intro piece, and then I got called out because we had had something we had to deal with and then slid back in. So I didn't even get to hear all of it. 
But just getting to see all the women participating in so many different things and then what I was hearing coming out of like the Women in Work event and uh, the NAM Women's Track, all the all the other things that were going on. There was the Southeastern uh, Women's Leadership Breakfast and then the Women in Scholarship groups yeah. from First time three different seminaries. They all, all those women got together. So just some really, really cool stuff happening. And I, I just love it. There's something for everyone. Yes. And speaking of diversity next year at the 2022 event in Anaheim, Juan Sanchez will be the convention preacher and deliver the, deliver the convention sermon. Yes. And that was, that was really exciting to see, uh, what folks who know Juan Sanchez, he's very high. He is highly respected. So he will be the convention preacher next year. And I'm sure it'll, I'm sure it'll be fantastic. Yes. Uh, likely, uh, you know, we're checking the records, but we really do think he will be the first Hispanic to deliver the convention sermon. Very cool. All right. Uh, we mentioned some of the missed stories. Another resolution that was passed that, that didn't get the fanfare I, I thought it deserved was a resolution on the Uyghur genocide in China. Yeah, that was a that was a great one. And that's one that really kind of slid in under the radar that it didn't have any debate, you know, because we were really out of time at the end. But I think I think we are the first uh, Protestant denomination to make any statements about that. And so externally, that's a big deal. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't haggled over kind of inside uh, us. And so people had other things they were talking about. But to the watching world, that's a really big deal to speak out against that. Absolutely. And and again, we'll link to that full text in the Daily Bulletin on Tuesday. All right. So here's another thing uh, I would say 99.9% of people missed because they didn't know it happened because it happened backstage. So I heard about this on Monday at the Send Luncheon, the North American Mission Board honored the pastor of La Follette Baptist Church, Zach Lloyd. He's a bivocational pastor in East Tennessee. He had been uh, struggling with uh, COVID, had a double lung transplant at Vanderbilt oh my this goodness. past year. And they, uh, Sam Greer, who's the pastor of Red Bank Baptist Church, led his church to help them cover the cost of their mortgage payment for several months. I mean, because they were having to go back and forth to Vanderbilt, like all these health issues because of COVID-19. So they brought out Lloyd to the stage, um, you know, uh, and, and basically honored him and kind of gave him, uh, brought out the Vanderbilt medical team and everything who'd helped him for while he was in the hospital for nine months. And then they, they gave him a car as well, which was kind of neat. And then they also arranged a deal with the Atlanta Braves for him to go down and spend a day with the Braves and watch the game and hang out with the team on the field during batting practice, all this crazy stuff. Well, here's the cool thing. Like that's all very cool. That's all awesome. So something that nobody knows about that happened behind the scenes in the backstage, two of the guests for the sin conference, Matthew West and David Jeremiah, they're back in the green room, hanging out, waiting on, you know, doing their music. You know, Matthew West was doing worship and stuff. David Jeremiah getting ready to preach in the afternoon session. So Lloyd is sitting in the back. Uh, you know, in the green room, waiting for all this to go on. Doesn't know all this is about to happen. But he's sitting in the back, and he looks over, and he sees Matthew West, and he sees David Jeremiah. And, like, from what I understand, you know, he's in tears in the green room. And okay. one of our team goes up to him and, and asks him, hey, is everything okay? They think something's wrong or whatever. He's like, no. You see, I understand. For nine months, I laid in a hospital bed, and I listened to one artist the entire nine months, and it was Matthew West. And I listened to one preacher in sermons for nine months, and it was David Jeremiah. Oh, my goodness. And here I am sitting here backstage, and there's Matthew West, and there's David Jeremiah. <gasps> like, 
the providence of God in that moment. And he got to meet him and thank him. And I mean, obviously, oh everybody's my a mess word. backstage. Yes. So, I didn't know anything about this. I told you. Nobody knew about this. I heard about it after the fact. So I just thought that was an incredible, incredible story about God's providence and sovereignty and how he aligned that and arranged that in just the way, uh, you know, just to make that day even more special for Pastor Lloyd to be able to meet those two men that, that had basically, he, as he clung to life, clinging to their words and their music. That, that is amazing. Yeah, oh my how goodness. About that? Oh. So there's your missed story of the week right there. That is, oh my goodness. That's incredible. Yes. That's incredible. That's one of my favorite things I've heard. Okay. And you did that to me on purpose doing this I did. as we're recording instead of telling me beforehand so I could be prepared. Wow. Okay. Whew. Man. All right. Well, I missed that. Another thing that we got to do that was really cool this year. You ever wonder what happens with the ballots, Amy? Uh, whenever you turn them in, well, whenever you turn I, them in correctly, that, that is. Amy. Right. I, I don't because I know what happens to them and have known for a few years, but I bet a lot well, of people I did wonder. Not. Right. I did not until this year. So I talked to Don Currents before the event started and said, hey, Don, can you let one of our photographers track a ballot from being filled out to turned into the bucket to put into the other buckets to take into the seller's room to count it and show us what that looks like? Because a lot of people don't know what that looks like. So he was gracious enough to let that happen. And we had one of our photographers track a ballot all the way from when it had been filled out to when it got counted. And that was kind of a neat photo story that we've got over at Baptist Press. So just something neat that some people may be interested in. I thought it was cool. Yeah, I think drop it other in the show notes. Too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love yeah. it. All right, another thing, maybe a missed story. I know there was a discussion on the floor about this on Wednesday morning, but the Committee on Nominations had three nominations challenged this year. All three challenges failed, but one of those was a little more different than the others because it involved Tom Tucker, a current EC member, who had also been elected as vice chairman of the board on Monday, but was not up for renewal in his trustee spot on Wednesday. And the challenge to bring him back onto the board failed. So the EC is without a vice chairman now because uh, Tom Tucker, who had been elected to that spot, did not get put back on the board. That's right. And, you know, that that's pretty rare that that happens. And in 2018, the nominating committee in Dallas had done the same thing. There was a, a trustee, this was on the ERLC board, that did not get put back up for a second term. And that was challenged from the floor, but that floor challenge in 2018 actually prevailed and he was put back on. So it's not the first time that it happened for a, uh, for, for someone to not get a second term. Um, although it is incredibly rare, it wasn't the first time, but when the challenge came, the challenge did not, did not pass. So like you said, we have a vacancy now in the vice chair role at the EC. So that will get taken care of in, in September. Yeah, more than likely the next called meeting of the executive committee, which is right now is scheduled for September. It's always important to remember that slate, they get they get challenged one name at a time. That's a really yes. crucial rule. So the three different challenges, that's what it was. Yes. One final thing. You mentioned 2018, something we experienced in 2018. Marvin Parker, hero to all, known to not many, but a hero to all, came up and talked about how cold it was and tried to get the air turned down. Well, That's right. Move forward to 2021, the opposite 
was the problem yes. this year. It was smoking hot in there. And David Bumgardner stepped up to the mic and said this. Mr. Chair, my name is David Bumgardner. I'm a messenger from the Cornerstone Baptist Church in Arlington, Texas. I've been to three different microphones trying to get you guys to please turn on the air. For the love of everything that is good and holy, please turn on the air conditioning. The point, the point is well taken. Thank you, Mr. Chair. Thank you, Mr. Chair. Be it therefore resolved, whoever that applies to, okay? All right. All right. That was a, it was a great moment. And the best part was when everyone raised their ballots like they were yes. voting and they were waving them in the air like fans. It was, it was fantastic. Everyone just lost it. He also came back later with a question for Dr. Aiken during the seminary <laughs> report where he asked him if he would unblock him on Twitter. And of course, Dr. Aiken didn't even remember doing it, but it was kind of funny and said, I'll let you back in today. So it was, it was a really funny moment and, and brought a lot of levity. So it, it, it was good. It did cool off in there after that. Yeah. A couple of our favorite moments of the week there. And and speaking of favorite moments, uh, I, I did some digging and asked some people, you know, what were your favorite types of things? And we got a couple of things. I know like J.D. Greer's speech on Tuesday, the president's address. Phenomenal. We've got a clip for you from that right here. This great commission Baptist. We're going to continue by God's grace to do whatever it takes to make sure people of color know that they are not only welcome and safe in our convention, but they are an essential part of our future. Y'all listen. I made, I made diversity a goal, not because it's cool, woke, or trendy. It is because the largest growth we've seen in the SBC has been among black, Latino, and Asian congregations. More than 10,000 non-Anglo congregations in our convention, 22%. Last year, you heard Kevin Ezell say, last year, 60% of our new church plants were either ethnic churches or multi-ethnic churches or non-Anglo churches. Get this, NAM tells us that by 2030, a third of all of our churches, a third of them will have been planted since 2010. What does that tell us about our future? And praise God, brothers and sisters, the Gentiles are coming to faith. I'm just saying that if we're going to reach a changing society, our leadership needs to reflect that. And if I could say something right now to our leaders of color, many of whom, many of you I know are struggling to stay engaged in a convention that you think cares little about you, we need you. There's no way. There's no way. no way no way that we can reach our nation without you all right that was a favorite another favorite for a number of people was the convention sermon by willie rice and he had one line that pretty much brought the house down and so we'll play that one here and i wonder this morning if the problem of pride and inflated self-importance is part of the reason for some of our division we have seen the product of a celebrity culture 
where pastors and leaders become the star of the show, photobombing Jesus at every turn. What does it say about us when we have more green rooms than prayer rooms? Some pastors can strut sitting down. I heard of one pastor the other day who hugged himself to death, and I thought it might be the most common means of pastoral demise among us. Brethren, we don't need stained glass icons, preachers in designer sneakers, and wannabe celebrities obsessed with building their own social media platform or personal brands. Sirs, we would see Jesus. On last week's episode, I was getting texts about how great it was going to be, and it said it was going to be a fire emoji, you know, kind of sermon. Right. And, and uh, you know, I said, no, we'll be the judge of that. So I tweeted, you know me, I'm anti-emoji, as you knew, as you well know, Amy. I, I tweeted know. after Willie got done, well, Willie, you're right, fire emoji or whatever. Good for uh, you. I can't remember that. Good but for you. It was absolutely spot on. And uh, yes. Willie Rice, just phenomenal job on Wednesday with the convention he, sermon. Looking really forward to Juan did. Sanchez next year. One other part, uh, we just talked about something in the seminary Q&A. That is an important one. I think we, we have an audio clip of that one as well. During that, Ed Litton, who had just won yeah. the presidency the day before, came up with a statement, because uh, it doesn't have to be a question. It can be discussion on the floor. And it was directed at Dr. Moeller. My name is, my name is Ed Litton. I'm the pastor of Redemption Church. Thank you. Dr. Moeller, I want to affirm your incredible leadership at Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. You're a statesman, and your statesman role in our convention led us to make the revisions of the Baptist Faith and Message 2000. You are a leading voice in cultural issues. You have a faithful commitment to this SBC family. It is in your veins. And we thank you for your humble service at every opportunity that the Lord God has given you to serve us. You are a gift from God to us and to the greater world of those disciples who want to grow nearer to the heart of our Savior through all of your work and all of your life. You have served us well. And the scripture says, give honor where honor is due. And, sir, you are due great honor. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Thank you. Amen. My dear brother, if I may just speak back, thank you so much. God bless you all. Thank you. Thank you. My dear brother, Ed, that was one of the most gracious statements, and it is good and healthy for the Southern Baptist Convention to hear brothers speak as we will speak of one another. I want to congratulate you publicly upon your election as president of the Southern Baptist Convention. You will lead us with honor and we will follow with honor. It is the great, great joy of my life to be entrusted with the stewardship of the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. And I am committed to you and to this institution and to all Southern Baptists for the length of my days. God bless you all. Thank you. Yeah, that was a great moment as well, and, and just a heartwarming moment between those two as Dr. Mueller, uh, you know, kind of given the honor, uh, as as Ed said, uh, that he was due. So very, very cool moment between those two on the floor. 
Another thing, Amy, I really enjoyed this year, Brandon Williams and the Summit Worship Team. Holy smokes. That was They were incredible. Just, like face meltingly good. It was amazing. Absolutely phenomenal job, Brandon Williams. You you can lead worship at my church anytime. I don't really control that, but I mean, you know, if you ever just show up, I might just tackle the worship leader and let you lead instead. <laughs> well, it was they were unbelievable. They were incredible. They were absolutely unbelievable. All right. So now for some fan favorites. Two things. We kind of mentioned one of them already. The women's events. That was the number one thing that I heard from ladies. I mean, they absolutely love the women's events. It's gotten better and better. We talk about it every year, how things are expanding. Things are growing for women. You know, it's just just an enormous thank you to all of those who put on or held or were part of these women's events at the annual meeting this year. Was excited to have a, an article in the Tennessee and Holly Meyer did an article about the Women's Leadership Network event. Cool. And that was that was pretty neat. So I, I loved that. I Looking forward to future events of that. Yes, absolutely. And then on the other side, kind of the men's side, if you want to say, the by far and away number one mentioned thing in, in our poll, our official, unofficial poll, was the nine marks at nine events on Monday and Tuesday night. In particular... The hymn sing part. So this year, Nine Marks was held over at the sanctuary at First Baptist Nashville, right across the street from the Music City Center. And I think the venue had a lot to do with how incredible their events turned out because they got a thousand pastors and leaders in there singing hymns, just erupting in, inside that building. And it's a great, great, great building for congregational singing. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's and incredible. It was acapella. Him right. sing, and I mean, I heard more about that this week. I knew that was going to be the number one whenever I put out the question because that yeah. was all anybody who went to that was talking about. Right. I heard a lot about that too. And that's very on point for a, for a Mark Dever-led event. Uh, but when he got in there and they had the hymnals and things, you weren't just in a meeting room from a, a hotel or a convention center. It was just just perfect. I hate that I missed that. I've seen some videos of it, but mm-hmm. I hate that I missed it. Yeah. So. And and I've I've been to a bunch of the Nine Marks things in the past and they, they all kind of they feel the same as any other event. But I think putting that inside a worship sanctuary or a worship right. center at a local church changes the entire ethos of that event because it matches so much with what Nine Marks is all about and I I think that was just a huge huge bonus for that event. Yes. So, and then finally Amy just my maybe my favorite photo of the week, and I wish I could have been out there for it, but we were tied up and busy with EC stuff. But the baseball toss on Monday morning, right? The the John Powell Memorial baseball toss. Uh, John Powell, the church planner who lost his life tragically in, a, in an accident last year. His wife Catherine threw out the uh, ceremonial, if you will, first pitch to at his the dad. baseball toss to, to his, his dad, dad, who caught it with his glove. So oh, just a tremendously emotional moment there out there and, and just a really cool event. Well done by Cody Gibson, Dean and Sarah, and all the people that arranged that just to have Catherine there to throw out the first pitch and have his dad there to catch it. Just, I mean, like that, that's just so cool. Just so cool. Yeah. Very special. So really, really great picture of that. We'll put that in the show notes. And um, Adam Covington was out there and, and was able to get that and, I can't say enough about our Baptist Press team, both the photographers, the videographers, Neil Williams with the uh, the video recap every day, uh, George Schroeder and Laura Erlinson leading the Baptist Press team and all the writers and all of our photographers. I mean, we, we captured some great stories this week and it's a week that we won't forget anytime soon. Yes, very much so. All right, Amy, any final thoughts about this week? 
other than you want to go take a nap. I, it is time to crash. So that's that. Yeah, I that's, know you guys are taking the RV out to the woods, and it's just going to be are. a relaxing weekend, right? That's right. That's right. We are. Cool. Um, but but hats off to the Music City Center to all the staff. They oh, were incredible. Yes. Did an amazing job. One of the things that I was happiest about was yesterday, uh, as we record this on Friday, we were in there cleaning up, and I asked staff uh, along the way. I said. How were you treated? And they said, uh, people were incredible. People were kind. Um, guests were polite to them. And that's just a great, and, and I'm not saying I expected anything else. I just wanted to know. And that was a great, great thing to hear that our messengers and our, our, uh, guests and the Southern Baptists were so, were so kind and, and good to the, to the staff there. So that was wonderful. The hotel situation was great. All the proximity loved all the restaurants around. It was just a good time. And we have an incredible staff, Allison Young, Hillary Krantz, the Baptist press team, all of, all of the people, as well as the folks who came in. And then my favorite intern, Mary Whitfield, uh, they just did that. The, we had a, a great, great team of people did an incredible job. And I know I missed some people, but you know, it was a lot. Yes. So thank you all. And uh, for everybody who came, all 15,726 of you, thanks for coming. Congratulations to Ed Litton. We'll get him on the podcast very soon. And Amy, I'll see you next week. See you next week.